Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. I want to preach something this morning entitled, What Jesus Commends and What He Condemns. What Jesus, say Jesus. What Jesus commends and what Jesus condemns. Something that should shake you to the core, and it shook me. We just went on our Galveston retreat. If you were on the Galveston retreat, you may hear some of this a little bit because the Spirit of the Lord put it in me, and I thought, man, other people need to hear this, people that didn't get to come. But as I was studying, the Lord told me, I want you to preach on the warning. So I want you to look through the seven letters that Jesus had John write to the seven churches in Revelation, and he said, I want you to highlight what I commend, what I approve, and I want you to highlight what what I condemn, and I need you to tell the people of this hour. As I began to study, I came across this revelatory statement that really shook me to the core. And it's so simple, it's so true, but it's really ignored. I was reading Finnis Dake, his notes on on Revelation. He made this statement, and he said, All seven letters to the churches should be written just the same as Paul's letters were written to the churches. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're like, well, duh, right? It's all the Bible. No, I'm telling you, we got the new covenant. We got the new Testament. And then everybody throws the book of Revelation and these letters off to the side. And we build all of these theologies that as you begin to read the seven letters written to the churches, it doesn't fit in the theology that you created. I'm going to tell you that if, 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 if these words in these letters confront and conflict with something that you believe from the New Testament, you need to reinterpret how you're reading the New Testament. These were the words of Jesus Christ to his church. Say Jesus Christ. These weren't Apostle Paul's words, which I know the Holy Ghost inspired the whole Bible, but these were the words. If you want to know what Jesus thinks in the New Covenant, to what he has to say to New Testament believers, we're about to look at it this morning. So there's three applications here. There's a literal application. Jesus was speaking this word to seven literal churches that were around during this this day. It would be like the Lord Jesus giving a word for seven churches in Angelina County, direct and specific. So there was a literal interpretation. Now there's personal. Say personal. That means me and you. That means that all of us as Christians should read and evaluate what he said in these letters and evaluate and compare our lives to it. What does Jesus commend and what does he condemn? And then there's a third application, a prophetic application, the church for today. Jesus is saying the same thing to the church in this hour. Amen. So let's go ahead and begin to read this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks amongst the seven gold lampstands. And I got to get moving because I got some scripture. So I'm going to read. If I talk fast, it's okay. All of this is broadcasted. So every, all of our friends, brothers and sisters and haters can watch it. Hallelujah. Love you. God bless you. If I get going too fast, go back and watch this. It's all going to be available on YouTube, Facebook, podcast. We update it every week. I got to get moving though. So it says, I know the things that you do. Jesus is speaking to Christians. He's speaking to the church. And I want you to apply this to me and you. He says, I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work, your patient endurance, and I know that you don't tolerate evil people. Let's start with the first category. What does Jesus commend? Number one, hard work. Say hard work. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I didn't feel the spirit of the Lord emphasizing this, but here's the question to you. You could actually flip that. If they weren't working hard, he would have condemned them. I have this against you. You do not work hard in what I've called you to do. Here's just a simple question. Are you working hard in what the Lord has called you to do this morning? 
No, I'm serious because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, on that day many will call out to me, Lord, Lord. Paraphrase, he says, but I'll say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Only those that actually do the will of my Father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many Christians do you know, how many people do you know that claim the name of Jesus, but can you follow up that question, do they work hard in the calling that the Lord has given them? The answer is no most of the time because most Christians don't even know the calling that the Lord's given them. They spend their whole life not even knowing why they were on this earth because they've never taken the time, they've never taken the initiative and the effort to get in the presence of God and get a word from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not hard to figure out your calling. You know, God is more passionate about your purpose than you are. He's anointed you. He's gifted you. He's placed you in this hour. He doesn't dangle it over your head and make it hard and unattainable. Most people aren't willing to go the distance to get the word from the Lord. You know, sometimes you got to travel a little bit. I know I'm speaking to a generation that can't seem to make it to church on a Sunday morning, but, you know, there's, work, there's, there's an anointing, there's impartation the Lord has to give you that sometimes are on the hands and lips of other people. You know what you got to do? Get your butt up out of bed, buy a plane ticket sometimes, buy, put some gas in your car, and go and get where the Lord's told you to go. I've had dreams. I had a dream this summer. I, one night I had four prophetic dreams. One of the dreams was this, is that me and my wife were standing in our living room. And I was in our short, like we had just woken up. It was the morning time and we had Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Anybody ever heard of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown in here? Stood for the gospel, got arrested, had the whole uh, laws of the, of the state of Florida overturned because he stood for the gospel, never shut down. He's on day, what is he on, uh, a thousand or something coming up? I mean, my goodness. Anyways, we were watching him on a TV in this dream, and all of a sudden I got a knock on the door, and it was Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. I looked out my window, and Dr. Rodney was standing at my front door knocking, and I opened the door, and he looks at me in the eyes, and he says, you're at home right now because you're not at work. You're at home right now because you're not at work. You're at home right now because you're not at work. He then proceeded to lead me out the door. He was walking with me. He was talking with me. And in my dream, he turned to me as quick as that. He put his hand on me. Fire of the, God, fire of the Holy Ghost came in me. And, and, and I fell out on the ground. I was in the joy. This was in the dream. When I woke up, the Lord said, there's an impartation for a work that I need you to receive from Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. So guess what we're doing? We're loading up in our car. We're getting to Tampa, Florida. And I'm getting hands laid on me, hallelujah, to receive impartation for the work that the Lord has called me to do. Here's the thing. Are you willing to do what the Lord has called you to do? Are you working hard in the area that God's called you to? Or would you stand before the Lord and he say, actually, you spent your whole life doing nothing, and because you're neither hot or cold and you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth because you were lethargic, because you chose Netflix, because you chose social media, because you lived in the lie that I just don't got the money to go. Use your faith. Nothing's impossible for the one that believes. You know, you can believe for a plane ticket. You can believe for gas in your car. You can believe for a hotel room. You would be surprised how you'll see the supernatural hand of God come behind you when you begin to step out in faith and do what the Lord told you to do. Come on, somebody. I see your hard work, your patient endurance. We're going to get back to that. That's a word Christians don't know nothing about these days, patient endurance. I know, look at this, I know you don't tolerate evil people. This was something Jesus was commending. Church, you don't tolerate evil people. Would Jesus be able to say that to most Christians today? No, you know, we just, my God is love. You're right, he is love. He also is righteousness. He also is holy. There is no darkness in him. There can be no darkness that exists in his presence because he is light. And where the light is, the darkness cannot be. Yes, God is love. Yes, he is willing that none should perish but all come to the knowledge of the truth. But at the end of the day, there are people that will reject that truth. They will reject that love. And they become a person that's not oppressed by the devil. They become a person that's aligned with the devil. And Jesus said, you hate, you don't tolerate evil people. Do you tolerate evil people? 
You know why our nation's how it is right now? Because the church began to tolerate evil people. Let's vote whoever the heck we want in the White House, in the Congress, at the state level, for the, for the, the school board. Let's just let them do whatever they want to do, and we won't say anything about it because we're Christians, and if we stand up, they're going to look at us, and, and, and we just want them to come to our churches, and, and we think the way to reach them is to just become best friends with them. But God said you cannot be a friend of God and a friend of the world. You will be one or the other. You can't be both. You'll either have the spirit of God or you'll have the spirit of the world. And if you have the spirit of God, the spirit of the world will hate you and reject you. Jesus promised it. Why don't we get more radical about standing up for righteousness and truth and standing up for the Lord than worried about offending people that have aligned themselves with the devil? And you better not try to get no prophet to apologize when they speak the word of the Lord. When God executes judgment and says, you know what, I'm sick of it, as we'll read, I've given these people a time to repent, and they chose not to. So now guess what I'm going to do? People start speaking like that, and you get false prophet, heretic, that's not the God that I know. Yeah, because the God that you know is not the God of the Bible. It's the God of false man-made religion. And how many of these people that want to run around and run, run their mouth and just talk like that, that's not, the, that's not my Jesus. I wonder how many of those people are going to stand before him and look into his eyes and realize that it ain't their Jesus. It ain't the Jesus that they thought they were serving. But really, they weren't serving Jesus. They were serving themselves with the mask of religion. Do you tolerate evil people? 1 Corinthians 5, let's turn there. Let's just set, the, set it straight here, okay? Paul said, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something even the pagans don't do. I'm told that a man is living in your church. A man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. You should remove this man from your fellowship. What? Apostle Paul said you should do what? Remove a person from your fellowship? God forbid in 2022 a church operate biblically. I'm going to just make a statement. If you have no place for that in your theology, your theology is corrupt. If you got no ground for that in your faith, you need to reevaluate your faith. Oh, he keeps going. Why would you remove this person? Because Jesus said you don't tolerate evil people. You draw the line in the sand. Righteousness is righteousness. Truth is truth. Sin is sin. Here's the line. God loves you, but we're not going to blur the line to make you comfortable. I would rather you be so uncomfortable and hear the truth than you be comfortable and go straight to hell. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in the spirit as though I were there. I've already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I'll be present with you in spirit. So will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, compromised truth isn't what's going to save this world. The church standing in absolute truth. The tr you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You want to know what's going to save this generation? Not a bunch of limp-wristed, let's just compromise the word, people preaching a watered-down truth. No, standing on the truth of God's word is what's going to set this generation free. Because the word of God is meant to either give you life or get you offended. Why are we so worried about offending people with the word of God? Jesus said, I'm the cornerstone, did he not? You build your life on me. Those that build their life on my words is like a man that builds his foundation on bedrock, like a wise man. He's the cornerstone. But he, the same man that said he was the cornerstone also said, I'm the stumbling block. Some will build their life on me. Some will, st some will stumble over me. You know what happens if you stumble and you get offended? You're meant to get offended. 
You know what that offense will cause? Two, two things. Either number one, you get offended. It'll cause you to turn and reject the love of God. And then one day when you stand before Jesus Christ and you spend eternity in hell, he will be a just God rendering a just decision because you rejected him because of your offense. Or number two, that offense will drive you to true repentance. It will drive you to speculation. It will drive you, why am I offended? It will drive you to this place of desperation where you begin to evaluate your life in light of the word, and you repent, and you're made right before God. The word of God is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is meant to offend and repent. I'm sorry, meant to offend, and it's meant to give life. Don't apologize for the word. Let the word do what it's meant to do. Man, I'm so, so worried about this person. They're offended by the truth. No, they need to hear the truth. So he says, you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough? Can I tell you a secret? The church is not supposed to have sin in it. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. And as we read through these letters in the church of, uh, in the book of Revelation, these seven letters, you're going to see Jesus is actually pretty serious about this, about not tolerating it, not putting up with it. He says, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Man, thank God that Paul had some goal. I just don't want to offend. I just don't want No, he, by the spirit and the truth of the Lord, knew how to call it for what it was. This person's a wicked person. People get so offended by the Bible, they don't even read the Bible. I guess they just skip over stuff like this. That ain't my Jesus. If the Jesus of this word were alive today, you would have hung him on a cross. You would have been in the crowd saying, crucify him. If Apostle Paul were here today preaching in the American church, he'd probably be drugged out of about 99% and stoned out in the parking lot. Let us celebrate the festival not with old bread of wickedness and evil, but with new bread of sincerity and truth. Sincerity and truth. When I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. You are not to what? associate with who anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin is greedy worship idols is abusive is a drunkard cheats people don't even eat with such people come on somebody that's the facts that's the word of god he says i you have this going for you. You don't tolerate evil people. Go on to keep reading. He says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those in the church who are sinning. That's all Christians know is the verse, do not judge, right? That's what they'll quote, do not judge. Paul said, actually, if you're a Christian, it is your job to judge inside the church. If you're a Christian, there is a standard to be withheld inside the church, and we got to stop apologizing for it. Why don't we start telling people the truth? Listen, I love you. God loves you. He will bless you. He'll forgive you of your sin. But you better get rid of that addiction. You better get rid of it fast or you will stand before the Lord and you'll go to hell for it. And it's not because he wants you to do. It's not because he desires that for you. God is willing today that you repent and be made right. You must remove this evil person from among you. Let's keep reading. Jesus said, this is what he commended them for. You don't tolerate evil people. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, let's read that.
You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. People will love. Say the last days. That's the hour we live in. People will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and they'll hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than God and they'll act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. What did Paul say? Stay away from people like that. Stop playing games with them. Cut it off, draw the line in the sand. This is where we stand. If you don't like it, then go stand on your side and give an account to the Lord for it. But don't make us come over and compromise where we stand because it offends you. Second Thessalonians. Let's read this one more time. One more verse and we'll keep going. Second Thessalonians. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I pray your word comes alive this morning. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15. Now, brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the traditions that they receive from us. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something. You have the right to live how you want to live. You have the right to do whatever the heck it is that you want to do. But when you claim that name, you're put into a different category. And in America, we haven't been teaching people there's a responsibility that comes with claiming the name of Jesus. And I'm sick of that responsibility and standard not being held because of offense. When you claim that name, you are held to the obligations of the word of God. And look what he goes on to say here. Stay away from them that are living idle lives. Don't follow the tradi- they don't follow the traditions they receive from us. For you know what you ought to, you know you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work with their own hands, uh, work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. I want you to see this. And Paul says, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter and stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. Isn't that a little different than American Christianity that we just want everybody to feel comfortable and everything's okay? When Paul said, no, there are situations where a person needs to feel ashamed. And maybe if you feel ashamed and you understand that there is a righteous side of God and there is a wrath side of God and the line has been drawn, maybe you'll understand which side you stand on because you feel ashamed of yourself and you'll repent and you'll be accepted, you'll be loved, you'll be forgiven, but only if you repent before the Lord. And people never feel that need and never hear that message because we compromise the word, we compromise the truth, we compromise the standard. Are y'all with me? No, Paul said, take note. Any Christian that wants to come in and treat this word haphazardly, well, I know the Bible says that, but I don't really care. I don't need to practice that. I don't need to believe that. I don't need to do that. He says, stay away from them. Chances are they've accepted a spirit. They don't want the truth. Is that being too bold? You start speaking to people like the New Testament apostles did, and people just start freaking out. They don't hear that stuff. I'm going to tell you this. If you don't have room for this in your Christianity, I'm sorry, if you don't have room for this in your American Christianity, you're too American and not enough Christian. Hallelujah. 
I'm okay with someone not knowing. I'm okay with someone sitting in this room saying, I've never heard that, John. I haven't been doing it, but I've never heard it. That's okay. I'm not speaking to you. I'm not okay with someone that knows it and rejects it and follows after another spirit and chooses to compromise it for self-gain, for twisted ambition. That's what I'm not okay with. Hallelujah. Look, go back to Revelation chapter 2. So he says, you work, you hard work, your patient endurance, you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those that say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are liars. People got no place for that in their faith. You start talking like that, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not very loving, Pastor John. No, Jesus said, no, there are some doctrines, there are some people, there are some things. Not only do you need to identify it, you need to label it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You have examined the claims of these people that claim to be apostles, and you have come to the conclusion through the lens of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, they are liars. Did Jesus condemn that? Oh, church, Ephesian church, that's not very loving and kind of you. No, he commended it. He commended it. You know, we should read this like we read the book of Ephesians. Go ahead and put it in the book of Ephesians because Ephesians was Paul's letter to the Ephesians church. This Revelation chapter 2 was Jesus' letter to the exact same church that we read about, the Ephesians church in the book of Ephesians. Go ahead and put it. I command, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, command you to not tolerate evil people. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, command you to examine the claims of those that claim to be apostles and to see if they're telling the truth or they're a bunch of liars. People today think, well, isn't it all the same, right? Isn't all doctrine the same? Shouldn't we just, I'm going to tell you something, that the devil, he will come as an angel of light named Unity. And he will try to get you to forsake and, and, and lay down the truth of God's word for the sake of unity. Does it come wicked and evil with his head spinning around? No, he comes as an angel of light. It looks good. It sounds good. In theory and in heaven, it works out perfectly. And, it, it, and it's, it's this light, it's this good, appearance of good in the name of unity. Isn't it all the same? Look at 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, it says, some will turn away from the true faith. Say the true faith. In the last days, people will turn away from the true faith. So if there's a true faith, there must be a false faith. If there is a truth, there must be a lie. People are going to begin to turn away from the truth. And it says they'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites, liars, and their consciousness are, their consciences are dead. You know what Paul's basically saying? A warning to the church of this hour. In the last day, Satan is going to pull people out of the church. In the last day, Satan's going to deceive people. You know how he's going to do it? He ain't going to do it through CNN. He ain't going to do it through Fox. He's not going to do it through Disney+. Plus. He's going to do it from the pulpits with deceptive teachings that come from demons. Was Paul speaking kindly of this? Does Jesus speak kindly of it? We should just go along and be okay with everything? No, you need to be able to identify that spirit at work. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how shiny it looks. I don't care how big the smile is on the face because the root of that spirit is leading people to hell for compromising the truth. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Basically, we could take that and say this, that in the last days, demons are going to be teaching from behind the pulpits. Is the church going to get bold enough to call an angel an angel and a demon a demon? That ain't loving. Man, you need to, you need to get a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm going to tell you this was the kindest letter of them all. 
There was only a couple of churches. There was two churches Jesus didn't give any rebukes to. But the rest of the churches, we're going to go through the list of all seven. The rest of the churches, the, the rebuke gets more and more intense to each one. And can I tell you something? That there's a teaching as well. I said that there was a literal application to the churches of that day. There was a personal application to every Christian. Every Christian should read these letters just like we read Paul's letters. And there was a prophetic application. These letters to the seven churches can be broken down into seven different periods through church history. The final church, the, the church of Laodicea, will look at that, I really believe, I, I think there's ground to it, that we are in a Laodicean time frame. That was a prophetically applicable to the church, the last church that would be on the earth before the rapture of the church, which took place in Revelation chapter 4. Y'all with me? So in the Bible, so we're talking about doctrine. They pointed out false apostles. Jesus commended them. He didn't condemn them for that. He commended them for that. Again, this ain't the Jesus most people know. In fact, so we talked about is, isn't it all the same? Is doctrine really important? We just said that in the last days, the Bible says Satan will use doctrine to pull people away from the true faith. And also, the Bible talks about what's known as the great apostasy. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day, that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless a, the falling away comes first, and that the, men of sin, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Say the falling away. The Bible talks about before the Antichrist comes into fruition, there will be known what's, what is known as the great falling away. What is, is that talking about people of the world? No, that's talking about Christians Falling away from the faith. How are they going to fall away from the faith? Because of the doctrine of demons being preached from the pulpits. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, another passage. Paul said, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the, ta the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their is ears want to hear, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Well, if God was with, you know, if God wasn't with them, why would they have a thousand people, two thousand, three thousand people in their church? Because some, I'm going to tell you, I'm all for great churches, big churches. Churches should be big. He said, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. We should multiply. The early church wasn't a small church. It was a large church. I'm not against large churches. But just because something is big doesn't mean the Spirit of God is with it. In fact, the Bible says in the last days there would be the doctrine of demons being preached from behind the pulpits, and the world would be full of people that don't want the truth. They chase after teachers that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. So they look out, and by the appearance of butts and seats, they say, God must be with us. God must be for us. And then they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ because they've rejected the truth for the sake of personal gain. And they'll say, depart from me, you evildoer. I never even knew who you were. That church was never registered in my book in heaven. Hallelujah. Say the falling away. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, 9 through 10, you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. We're going to get into the persecution aspect. If you're not getting hate, then you're not following Jesus right. If you aren't getting hate, if you're not getting persecution, if you're not getting rejection, you're doing absolutely nothing to put yourself on the devil's radar. You go to cast out a devil, the devil will look at you and say, Jesus I knew, Paul I knew, Kenneth E. Hagin I knew, but who are you? I don't know you. You're not even on my radar. I don't even know you. Are y'all with me this morning? You will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world. Why? Because you're my followers. Why will you be hated? Because you're the followers of Jesus Christ. Because there would become a generation in the last days that would reject the truth, chase after myths. They rejected him, they'll reject you. 
and many will turn away from me. Amen. I'm going to tell you this. Get this out of your head. This demonic doctrine that the Baptist church has preached into this community, this once saved, always saved garbage is not in the Bible. You're actually about to see, if not this morning, and you keep coming, you'll see. Jesus uses the verbiage in one of these letters where he says, I'll erase your name from the book of life. How do you get around that? He's, he didn't say your name was never there. No, he said your name was written at one time, and I took the marker of heaven, and I erased that thing out of the book of life. Many will turn away from me. What does that insinuate? That insinuates that there were people that were following him. They were followers. They were genuine. They were true. They had a relationship with Jesus, but they turned away from that relationship. You're about to see the rebuke where he says, repent or I'll remove your lampstand from its place among the other churches. That garbage, that devil, that, that lie coming from the pulpit, what does it do? It keeps people in lethargy. It keeps people far from knowing God. They don't feel any need at all to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because someone told them that you got baptized when you were seven years old. Now you can live your whole life in a backslidden condition and you'll stand before God going home at 65 and he'll welcome you into his kingdom. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Are y'all with me this morning? I, if it offends you, I hope it does, but I hope it offends you to the truth to get on fire to have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where you know that you know him. Not because someone told him about you when you were a kid. You better make sure you got a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It ain't something just pie in the sky, light thing that you should take lightly. Apostle Paul said, God forbid I go around doing all this work, preaching to all these people, and then I stand before the Lord and find that I'm disqualified myself. Apostle Paul said that. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. What was Paul saying? I keep myself in check. I make sure that I'm spending time in the Lord's presence. I make sure that my life is not stepping over, is what we're about to talk about, into the realm of things that God hates. Wow, you know, people don't have that word in their vocabulary, but did you know that Jesus hates certain things? Y'all about to shoot me down, but I don't know if it's completely biblical to walk up to every person and say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I'm going to, hold on now, listen. In the big picture, Jesus died for you. God so loved the world, he gave his, his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But there is a reality in the fear of the Lord. You can do things where you put yourself out of the category of that love and you put yourself in the category of an enemy of the Lord, an enemy of God, and in the category of things God said, I hate. Say hate. You think, wow, John, that seems a little crazy. Well, you're about to see it in the Bible. How does the devil, so we're talking about false doctrine here, isn't important. How does the devil take a city captive? Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Paul said, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Say the strongholds. That's talking about demon principalities and powers in the unseen world that he speaks of in Ephesians 6. This is demonic strongholds. He says, I use God's weapon to knock down the strongholds of what? Of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You know how the devil gets a stronghold in a community? Doctrine. Human reasoning, man-made religion. The devil, it all starts in the pulpit because you understand that the Bible says the church is the salt of the earth. Number one, the church preserves the earth. That means that if the church isn't doing its job, the earth isn't preserved. If the earth isn't preserved, it's because the church is not doing its job. If the earth is not preserved, the church is not standing in truth. If we've aborted 63 million babies over the last 50 years, it's because the church 50 years ago didn't stand for truth and they let that wickedness come into this country. The salt preserves, but also, he says, if it has no flavor, it's useless. Say flavor. 
And this is a simple analogy. What determines a, the what determines what kind of lollipop? If I got a lollipop, what determines what kind of lollipop that is? The flavor. If it's a cherry flavor, guess what? It's a cherry lollipop. Whatever the condition, whatever condition the church is in, the, the, the society will reflect the condition of the church. Y'all, it ain't Joe Biden's fault that we're in the pit that we're in. I'm not saying that he hasn't done some, some dumb things, but it's not Joe Biden's fault. It's the church's fault. Our society is a direct reflection of the flavor of the church. Weak, compromised, won't stand for truth. LGBTQ queerness agenda would never get into society unless it first got into the church. You know why it's in society? Because it got in the church first. How did it get into the church? Through deceptive teachings. The lethargy that got preached to the people to accept Wickedness. To tolerate evil. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm not raising up a bunch of Christian cowards. I'm so sick of it. I think about this thought. I want to get not too graphic with you, but the reality, this nation was built on men of God. Our founding fathers, you can Google this, in England... The punishment for treason was what was known as being drawn and quartered. To be drawn and quartered, they would tie you to a chopping block, alive, and a man, they would castrate the man while he was alive. After they were done castrating him while he was still alive, they'd cut open his stomach and pull all of his intestines out while he was alive. That was the punishment for treason. When our founding fathers signed their name on that Declaration of Independence, that was still the punishment for treason in England. These men knew that if I get caught, I'm not going to jail. I'm not getting some mean Facebook messages. I'm not even hanging in the gallows. I'm going to be castrated. And my intestines here, I'm going to be brutally, graphically, uh, viciously murdered. And they signed their name because it was the truth. You got a generation, of, just a few years ago, some of you were alive. World War II, we had 18 and 19-year-olds on the beach of Normandy that they were stepping out of these boats knowing that they were stepping to their certain death. But that was the plan. If we get enough people, we can just keep sending them and sending them, and eventually we'll take it. We'll take that beach. We'll take that land. We'll take that territory. They laid their lives down. Now we live in a generation that you use the word the, the wrong verbiage and people are offended and go crying to their mamas. You said a name that I didn't like. Get over yourself. Go cry a river, you baby. I'm sorry, I don't want to be like this generation. Because this generation needs truth, because this generation has become corrupt. And I'm telling you, as a voice. As a trumpet of the Lord, we better get right and we better get ready because Jesus Christ is returning. And there's a revival, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that he's promised where he said the, 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 the glory of the latter days will be more glorious than the glory of the former. That in the last days, declares the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that's not going to come through compromise. That's not going to come through laying down, shutting up, shutting down. That's going to come from standing, from standing, from standing, preaching the word of the Lord. And just as John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, he paved the way for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a message of repentance. They came to John. What should we do if we want to repent? He said, if you, you people that have been cheating people, if you have two shirts, keep one, give the other one away. If you're an officer, if you're a, a, a soldier, don't extort people for their property anymore. True repentance. You need to make right what you've been doing wrong. He got the people's heart ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a wicked and corrupt people that were corrupt in their heart could not receive the holiness of God. 
The same way that a prophet came before the first coming of the Lord, God's raising up prophets in this last hour to pave the way for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to see it. You've already seen it. Prophets, prophetic voices rising up left and right, popping up out of nowhere, giving words from the Lord, giving things that you now you're going to start seeing coming to pass in secular newspapers, the signs that they've said. What is happening right now? The Lord's getting us ready for the second coming of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, before he comes, the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. America will experience revival again in the name of Jesus. I don't care what religious devil wants to stand against it. And I'm telling you right now, you're about to see the other side of God that you've ignored. God will not allow the masses to go to hell for the few. You want to kick out the Holy Ghost? You want to kick out the word of God and you want to stick with your programs and your little sermons that some little staff member wrote for you a year ago and you want to reject the spirit of the living God. He will move you out before he lets Angelina County go to hell. And if you don't want to move out, then you'll drop dead. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. You start speaking like this and people start, oh my God, what are you talking about? You're about to read in a few chapters here, not chapters, verses, where he told a church, you've tolerated that prophet Jezebel. You've let her run her mouth and she's led people away. I gave her time to repent and she didn't. Therefore, I'll come against her with my sword and I'll throw her on a bed of sickness. God said, Jesus said, I'll kill her children. In the New Testament, to the church. If this ain't the Jesus that you know, you may not know the real Jesus. Hallelujah. You get a hold of this Jesus, he's righteous, he's holy. I'm going to tell you, drug addiction can't stay when you meet this Jesus. You won't even want to do it anymore. Man, that desire, that... That addiction to the alcohol, to the nicotine, whatever it is, you won't even want to do it anymore. His presence is so holy. It's life. He's a life-giving spirit. You won't want to mess with pornography. You won't want to be greedy. You won't want to cheat people. You won't want to have hatred in your heart because his presence is so holy. It'll burn it right out of you. That's what the baptism of fire. He said, I'll baptize you, John said, with fire and with the Holy Ghost. There's a baptism of the Spirit of God, which is power, and there's a baptism of fire, which is the holiness of God. It comes. I'm going to tell you right now, you can get the fire now or you can get it later. The Bible says even believers will stand before Jesus Christ and their works will be tried by fire. And everything that was not of eternal value will perish and will be burned up. You know what? You can let that fire try your life today. You can let that fire try you now so that when you stand before Jesus Christ, you're not losing anything. You're gaining a reward. Hallelujah. Because it's already been tested by the fire. It's already been tested by rejection and persecution. You refuse to quit. You refuse to back down. Thank God our founding fathers didn't take the advice of these religious devils and cower down, back down, lay down, and we would not be in a free country today. Preaching the gospel as the light of the world, the United States of America, who for so many years has been the world leader of world missions, sending the gospel to all of the earth. That's why America's blessed, because we've supported the gospel. When missionaries go to raise funds, do they go to Africa to raise funds? Do they go to Europe? Do they go to South America? No, they don't. They come to America because Americans, there's a remnant of people in America that love Jesus, that are passionate about his kingdom, that are giving people. They know that. And guess what? For that reason, America's blessed. But y'all, I'm going to tell you, we're about to step into a whole nother level of blessing in this country. You can only be so blessed and murder millions of babies at the same time. Hallelujah. You're about to see a whole nother level of blessing on this nation and on this country. Now that we've made that wrong, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you again, I've said it, you're going to see a, a very distinct difference between states. Now that Roe v. Wade's been overturned, 
Some states, they'll continue with the slaughtering of babies, and you mark my words, they'll become like third world countries. Poverty, crime, unemployment, buildings burning down. People won't even want to live there. They won't want to put businesses up there anymore. They won't want to do it because it's so wicked, it's so evil, that there will be a distinct difference where the Lord, the Bible says that the worlds, the nations will see that you're a people claimed by the Lord and they'll stand in all of you. There will be a distinct difference between the states that stand with life and the states that stand with the murdering, the shedding of innocent blood. And Texas is going to stand, and I'm telling you, we're going to see revival. We're going to see the blessing of the Lord. We're going to see breakthrough in the state of Texas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to end with this. Y'all give me just a few more minutes. This Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. Hopefully y'all came to church to come to church. Hopefully you didn't come to church to go rush off to the Chinese buffet at 12 o'clock. What'd you say? The breakfast chili? <laughs> Hallelujah. Endure. Look at Revelation 2. So let's go back to this. He says, for what Jesus commended, he said, you have discovered that they're liars, right? You've looked at the claims of these apostles that say they're apostles. They're not. You've discovered they're liars, and you've patiently suffered for me with out quitting. So what did he commend them for? Endurance. Endurance. I'm going to be real honest with you. You can disagree with me, but that's fine. I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. The only Christian that makes heaven is the one that doesn't give up. I'm serious. I hope that lights a fire under your behind today. The only Christian that makes heaven is the one that endures, the one that don't quit. When that trumpet blows and the church is caught away, the only ones that will go, I believe, I believe according to the word of the Lord, are those that have endured. I want to tell you this. Persecution is a guarantee. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Y'all do me a favor. If you are touched by the Lord during this service, I want you, when you get home or whatever, you share this with, blast that all over social media. Matthew chapter 24, 9 through 14. He said, again, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. That was a promise that was a guaranteed. That was actually one of the signs of the second coming. Hated, arrested, persecuted, killed. I want to tell you something. The only way that you get killed is when you start saying stuff people don't want to hear. They don't kill, they don't kill you for telling you what they want to hear. They don't arrest you for, for compromise and compliance and telling them what they want to hear. The reason Jesus said the church in the last days would be hated, persecuted, arrested, killed, is because it would be a church that stood and stood without compromise. So he goes on to say, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. The love of many will grow cold. But look at this. But the one who endures to the end, endures through what? Endures through being arrested. Endures through being persecuted. Endures through the threat of death. Endures when the world hates you. Endures through the false prophecy. The one that stands with the truth will be saved in the end. You know, there was two types of people in this text. There were those that stand without compromise, and there were those that fall away. 
I'm going to tell you this morning, there is no middle ground. Either you'll stand or you'll fall away. You won't stand in the middle. You will not stand in the middle. We're about to read the last letter that Jesus wrote in Revelation. He said this. He rebuked them. He said, you are, you're indifferent. Indifference. That's the same passage where he says, you're neither hot or cold, you're lukewarm, you're indifference. He says that word indifferent. That's where many Christians are today. They're just indifferent. They don't want to get in the fight because if they get in the fight and they stand for truth, they're going to be rejected. They won't be liked. They'll be counted amongst the cult of Huntington. If I stand for the truth, then I'll have to walk through Walmart like this and no one's going to, you know. You either stand or you'll fall away. There's two classes of people. And I'm not breeding any other type of Christian as a man of God and what God's called me to do in this house than Christians that make it to heaven. Man, I get so fired up, I'm about to get RHC little fire stickers to put on the back of cars. I'll put 50 of them. You go to Revival House Church, you're dang right, I do. Hallelujah. You mean to tell me your pastor told a girl that if her parents didn't want her to come to church, she should come to church anyways? Yeah, because that's what Jesus said. Facts. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't care. You wouldn't have liked Jesus. Maybe you need to be introduced to him now so you can get ready Then, when it's too late and you're introduced to him. But he said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And what will happen? The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole earth so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. I'm telling you, there's a remnant of people that will stand. And God's going to use those that will stand to get this gospel to go to all the nations of the earth. Hallelujah. From the top to the bottom, from left to right. What's happening right now? God's separating the wheat from the chaff. God seeing who bows and who stands. Who bows when they stand before Nebuchadnezzar and who stands. And whoever is willing to walk into that fiery furnace, guess what's in that fiery furnace? The fire's in that fiery furnace. Jesus, the fourth man that looks like the Son of God, is standing in the furnace. Jesus wasn't standing in the crowd with his knee nailed before that devil statue. He was standing in the fire. And guess what those men found that when they stood, they didn't burn? I'm going to tell you something. The devil can't burn somebody that's already on fire. Hallelujah. John 15. I'm almost done. I promise you. I know I say that a lot, but I am. I'm almost done. John 15. Eighteen through twenty-one. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world wouldn't love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. I'm sorry. Hold on. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. I'm telling you, if this world likes you, it's because you got the same spirit. If the people that are posting on Facebook saying, we want to come post up in your parking lot and have a, a, a LGBT pride rally, that's what we're seeing on Facebook. You know why? Because we went door to door, knocking on doors. A, a woman came out, married to another woman, said, you know, we were very kind and nice, said, yeah, we got kicked out of the church because they wouldn't accept my, you know, I'm a woman and I have a wife. They wouldn't accept it. You know, instead of us telling, well, just come to our church. We'll love you. We'll accept you. We said, listen, God loves you, but I want to tell you, the church that took that stand was not wrong, wrong for taking that stand. This is what the word of the Lord declares. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, those that practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I love you enough to tell you that's a lie from the devil. That that feeling that you have, that lust that you have, it doesn't come from your Father God. It comes from Satan, and it's sent into your life to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's forgiveness, there's love, there's mercy. God will take you out of this situation, and he'll bless you today. They say, we don't like that. 
you ever come on our property again, we'll call the cops, all this stuff, we're going to come. I want to tell you, that's fine. But if you're a minister and those people like what you have to say, it's because you got the same spirit. If you had, if the world loved you as one of its own, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, naturally, naturally. You don't even if you're a born again Christian walking in the spirit, you don't got to go looking for persecution. You could be like good old Pastor John the post the grass is green and every religious devil in a hundred miles will jump on and start going nuts. You don't got to go looking for confrontation that if you have the spirit of God, I'm telling you, naturally they'll persecute you. If you're not being naturally persecuted, I'm telling you right now, you may have crawled into bed with a bad spirit. If they would have listened to me, they would listen to you. They do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Say endures. What if it's my friends, Pastor John? What if it's my family that's telling me, no, you can't go, you can't follow Jesus? What do you do? Well, Jesus answered that in Luke chapter 14. Turn there real quick. Luke chapter 14, 26 through 33. If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Let's stop right there. Jesus would take anyone. In this church, we'll let anyone come. But I'm going to tell you, you can't stay the same if you come. I'll take anyone. There's one stipulation, though. You have to forsake everything else, even your own life. But don't begin until you count the cost. He goes on to say, who would start a building without first seeing if they have enough money to finish it? Who would go to war without seeing if they had the troops to actually win? So you cannot, verse 33, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. Look at uh, Matthew 10. I'm almost done. I am, I am. I got a few more verses here. Matthew chapter 10. Y'all okay? 34. Wow, look at this, Jesus. Don't imagine, Jesus said, that I came to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. How does that work? Because he is the prince of peace. The fruit of the spirit is peace. It's not meaning Jesus said, I won't give you peace. No, he's talking about relationally. You think that I just came to bring world peace between all men. He said, no, I came to bring a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Lastly, Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. As they were walking along, some said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come and follow me. The man agreed. He said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Wow, 
My goodness, Jesus, that wasn't very loving and compassionate. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another, he said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If you don't have place for this in your faith, then you are misinformed and misdirected. Does Jesus want you to have the best relationship with your family? You better believe that he does. But you know what he said? That if they make you choose between me and them, you choose me every time. If they make you choose between my word and them, you choose my word every time. Even if it costs division, even if it brings a sword to the household, dividing people against each other, you must not forsake me. For only those that endure through the persecution to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. Say no compromise. Thank you, Jesus. You lift your hands right where you're at. Just lift them up. Father, I thank you for boldness in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for a fresh fire. I thank you for a fresh boldness being preached into these people, that it came straight out of my mouth and straight into their spirit this morning in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a room full of world changers. I thank you for a room full of prophets. I thank you for for a room full of voices of truth in this hour in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not right with God, don't miss today. As soon as we're over with service, I got a brother right in the back. Brother James is going to raise his hand. You better make sure that you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I got sin in my life. I need to repent. You don't leave. Come to this altar and get before the Lord. Receive prayer. Make things right with God. He'll heal you. He'll touch you. Hallelujah. You want to get baptized? You want to sign up for that? That's something you say, you know, I've never done it. Or maybe I did it as a child and, I, and it didn't mean anything. But today, I want to make that decision. You get with us after service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.